Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In the Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of being a creator in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoy. Today, Anthony interviews Broadway performer and AMAW teacher Mark Evans, who stars in The Play That Goes Wrong on Broadway. Mark talks about his acting process and the stamina it takes to perform eight shows a week on Broadway. He also discusses the perspective shift he's had since teaching at AMAW Studios. And not to miss episode for all our theatre performers, theatre attendees and future Broadway stars. Hi, I'm Anthony Mindell. Welcome to In The Moment Podcast, and I am coming live from New York City <laughs> with my Broadway roundtable, which has turned into an the intimate night. conversation <laughs> for two. An intimate evening for two with my friend and fellow AMAW New York City teacher and Broadway star, Mark Evans. Yeah. Mark is in the Broadway show, The Play That Went Wrong, but it's oh so right, because yes. it's really super funny. And what theater is that at? It's the play that goes wrong. Oh, the play that goes wrong. Jesus. It's at the Lyceum Theatre. At the Lyceum Mm Theatre. And um, so welcome, Mark. Thanks. Uh, Let's talk about um, you and acting. (laughs) Great. And being on Broadway. (laughs) And we were supposed to have four other people here who are also in shows, Broadway shows, that are also here at the studio. But as luck would have it for them, they all have auditions today. So it's just Mark and I. And I don't have any auditions <laughs> today. <laughs> so let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, but you just did a workshop. You've been workshopping. Oh, no, I'm, 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 I'm Yes, you're doing just fine. About, yeah. So tell us, how's it been going? Now, how long have you been doing the show? Uh, we, I started rehearsals for the show a year ago tomorrow. Whoa. So I don't know when this is going out, but 28th of August last year is when we... Um, is when we started rehearsals. And, you know, it's a real rare thing. We took over from the original British cast who created the show. They were brought over for a six-month period. And visa-wise, that's all they could do. And I think they thought, oh, this will probably just be a six-month run. But it was it was a slow start because there's no huge film stars in it, which right. most you know Broadway plays do for sure nowadays. And it's usually a limited run of 13 weeks with Denzel Washington or whatever. Um, so for a group of unknown actors to open during a very busy Tony season last year was very brave. Um, and it got to the summer and they, you know, their visas were running out and they thought, you know what, Kevin McCollum, the producer said, we're going to do a full cast change. Whoa. Okay. And so it was a bold, brave move and an expensive move for them. And so we were going in, it was my Broadway debut to be doing it in a play, having done musicals most of the time in my career was an incredible opportunity for me. And we were all discussing last night, actually, at the show, how because we didn't know how long we were going to last, it's been amazing to really embrace and appreciate each little chunk of ticket sale periods that we've had. It was running to just after Christmas, and we're like, if we make it, that'll be great, four months. And then we extended six weeks to February, and then we extended to July, and then we were supposed to be closing August 26th. There was a big billboard in Times Square with our faces on it saying, must close August 26th. And they've just changed it because now we're extending to January 6th. (laughs) So it's like, it's been amazing. I've done long contracts in the past where... 
you're like, wow, oh, God, I've still got another eight months. Mm. Eight shows a week is hard. Five show weekends are hard. But because we've done it in shorter chunks, it hasn't felt like it's been a year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm currently running to January 6th. I well, do think oh, it'll okay. close then. Yes, okay. Well, you have to get through. Well, the holiday season is good, right? Because yeah. there's lots of tourists. And, yeah. and they've recouped their investment now. So Whoa, everything, okay. any, any money they make now it's is profit. Surplus, okay. Exciting. It's great to, it's also great for the community to see that shows without huge headline casts can be successful. And I mean, the concept really, of the show, you've seen it. It's a group of amateur actors putting on a play and everything that could go wrong goes, goes wrong. wrong. Totally and fun. so if you had a name in it, the audience wouldn't be able to invest in us being amateur actors. Yes, that's so true. we have to be unknown. Oh, that's true. I never thought about that. I also just love it's a farce, mm -hmm. and like you don't see farces done very yeah. often anymore. But I it's... do have to say, I mean, you know, I, I teach you, for God's sake. I mean, I fully embrace the way that we work at AMAW. If I didn't really fully invest in the moment authentically, mm -hmm. Truthfully, the yeah. audience would not get on board with it because we do so many mm -hmm. broad things I mean one of the characters gets stuck inside of a clock and so we decide okay we're just gonna use the clock as the character now and we can't get away with that unless we commit to it fully and it's a very British style of comedy where you allow the audience to discover the humour and the, the comedy in our show comes from watching people suffer mm. we are mm. desperately trying to get through to the end of this play in full view of the audience, whenever anything goes wrong, whether it's scenery falling apart, costume malfunctions, line mishaps, um, props f being given to the wrong people, we have to figure it out through eye contact in full view of the audience. And the audience loves seeing people suffer. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's, really where the, that's where the comedy comes from. And then from. every, you, you kind of, I mean, I, I did in a way because obviously I've been teaching for so long or whatever, but something else goes wrong and then something else goes wrong and something else goes wrong. And sometimes I don't think most audiences can suspect that it's going to even get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And worse. Well, I think the reason we get away with it is because the idea that we're running with is that we had a very successful final dress rehearsal. <laughs> right. And so yeah. everything that it's goes funny. wrong, it's like, okay, that's the last thing that's going to go wrong. And you can't comment on it. You can't no, do it absolutely. with a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because then it just ruins it. So in the rehearsal process, did you guys just start, and did the director really, did you try to, the structure of it was first yeah. built on? We did a lot of clowning work. Oh, um, okay. Mark oh. Bell, our director, um, uh, has done a lot of clowning and improv, and it was like, he used to teach at, um, uh, Lambda, and that's where all of the original company, they went to school together. Uh -huh. and that's why they started writing. And it's amazing to think that this original crew, this is kind of going a segue onto a different thought, but these, this original group of actors created their own work. And within five years, they went from performing it as a one-act, 50-minute play in a theatre above a pub in London to five people, three of which were their family. Whoa. Five years later, on they're on Broadway. There's 13 productions in different languages worldwide. There's a national tour going out in the US next week. Whoa, um, okay. there's, they have three productions in the West End. It's huge. And so it's like, these are people who went to school together had right. this idea, right. ran with it, and J.J. Abrams is our producer. You know right. what I mean? Like, it, they have some huge things. Like, wow, that's happening. exciting. Yeah, they do have other things going on, right? They yeah. have another play that's it's similar. Um, but... Comedy about a bank robbery. There's right. Peter Pan goes wrong. They've okay. done some stuff for the BBC. <laughs> Christmas Carol goes wrong. They're working on some huge stuff now that I can't talk about, but it's exciting. 
it's, it's, it's brilliant. I think they're going to try and bring over another of their plays to Broadway as well. Now, you did audience. Mark did not get the job just because he's a fellow Brit. <laughs> just the only He's requirement. putting that accent on right now. <laughs> well, you're really hilarious in the show. You were really, I mean, everybody was really great in that show. I thought it was really, really funny. Um, so you guys, besides the clowning, but you, you obviously had oh, to yeah. keep embellishing so, it with... So we, I mean, we... Because it's expensive to put in a full new company, we only had three weeks to rehearse. Whoa, and okay. So I often say we were taught the show as opposed to rehearsed mm -hmm. it for safety's sake. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we're watching every evening the original cast, and then we would be taught, like, you stand here and you say this. And, and it was, there wasn't, you know, I don't use this term very kind of like <laughs> delicately, but there was not much organic about it mm -hmm. because the audience, because they are such a huge character in our show. It's different nightly depending on what the audience and They scream stuff out at us and we're allowed to respond and improv with that. It's very different as a Broadway show in that respect. But because the audience is a huge character, you can't fully rehearse what it is until you're experiencing. Because the idea, the premise is that it's opening night of our play every night. And so the doing it in full view of a crowd is what gives it those stakes. Um, and so it was baptism by fire. None of us felt prepared to open, but it kind of gave us that adrenaline and kick up the ass that we yeah. needed. Um, so during the rehearsal period, we, in the mornings, we'd be on a bare stage um, and they would, we would do clowning and improv work and character study. For example, we'd like in character, step off the stage one at a time, come back in and the director would interview us in character. Okay. And the only rule was that we had to say yes to everything. Uh -huh. Now the goal with that was for him to get us to experience that feeling of like how do you figure something out? So he'd say to me, can you tell me a joke? And be like yes, of course I can tell you a joke because Chris Bean is like perfect at everything. Okay, great. Now can you say it in French? Now I don't speak French at all but it's like yes, yes I can. <sighs> And then you figure it out. But it's it's that feeling of, oh, God, that he really right. wanted us to be very familiar with because we have to be okay with the silence and the stillness of, like, something just fell apart. How are we going to figure this out? Okay, we're going to do it this way. Right. Um, so that was really useful. And then in the afternoons, we would basically be taught the blocking and, you know, the show. And it's... Very much choreographed to a T, right? Yeah. So it took us, I say it took us, took us like two, three weeks to really settle in because especially the way that I work, having trained here at the studio, just wanting to respond authentically to everything and just exist in it. But having to stand in a specific place, preempting something point. about to fall yes. for your safety and yes. then respond to it as yeah. if you didn't know it was going to happen, that was something that was tricky for me. So I really loved once I felt comfortable to just do my shit and then you can actually invest in the fact that you didn't know that was going to happen. Right. I do want to, I want to circle back to that. I want okay. another question about what, so what does clowning entail for people who don't really I mean, know what clowning work is? I think it's French originated. Yeah. Um, they do course. it on the Yeah. Um, and what basically, the, at <laughs> Le, Le, Le Coq, <laughs> with a Q, um, <laughs> There's basically the way that we are specifically working is with the Auguste clowns and the naive clowns. So there's basically like the. the oh, which, what are the first ones called? Auguste. Auguste. Which is like yeah. the strong. The strong. So like yeah. I, I play 
uh, the director, Chris right. Bean, and the head so of the Drama Society. Yeah. So yeah. I am the guy who is in control of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then as the director, I then play Inspector Carter within the play. Right. Um, and then there is Thomas, uh, there's Robert Grove, who is this articulate, overacting, but like very strong character who plays Thomas Collymore in the play. And he's dressed in this black and white, and he's like, he really embraces this murder mystery and he has this voice. And then there's Sandra, who believes that she's going to be in Hollywood immediately after being in the. Right. So there's lots of these big characters, but then there's Dennis who plays Perkins, the butler, who doesn't want to be an actor, but he goes to Cornell University, and he doesn't have a friend. So we just needed him to make up the numbers. And so all he's hoping is for someone to say after the show, hey, do you want to come and grab a slice of pizza? Right, right. And so he get, keeps get, he's written a lot of the words that he can't memorize on his hand, oh, but he mispronounces them. Right. And so the dynamic between Chris, the director, who is like, even if the audience laughs at anything, he gets infuriated because this should be... Chris's night. So then when Perkins, the butler, has written down facade on his hand but pronounces it as fuckade, then that infuriates Chris. And it's the right. dynamic, the clown right. dynamic of the auguste, the strong, the, the kind of superior, and then the inferior. So and it's archetypes, archetypes yeah. really. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of, there's eight people, there's six actors and two stage managers in the show. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of an even divide. There's like four strong and four weak and, okay, and, it, wow. it, it, okay. and yeah I think yeah that's fair to say and it's interesting because they don't it also changes though even though you're the strong character mm. and that is your archetype you also become the weak and the well that's the what's so entertaining like, right? yeah, yeah. is to they see change. someone who you know at the beginning I'm just like please allow me to introduce <laughs> myself I'm yeah. Chris Bean the director and this is my debut and then to see me just struggling and yes. just in pieces <laughs> by the end apart, because yeah. my work of art, my yeah. baby has it's been a, destroyed. A disaster, yeah. That's funny. It's genius. <laughs> okay. I'll have to look in a class. I mean, like, you know, I think everything borrows on everything else in a way, and, but, but there's something to be said about the learning the, the polar opposites of the strong and the weak that exists in all of us. Well, as well. And that's you know the thing, I mean? and everything, you can pull from anything and everything, and it's what I say to the students when I'm teaching here, is like, just keep a constant curiosity. Yeah. Just soak up life and education from anywhere that you can get it. Yeah. And just find everything fascinating, because it will always be useful. Yeah. And the way that we work here at the studio, combined with the knowledge of clowning, you know, it's... It's the same as if, I was to, if we were to give someone an adjustment here during their scene work. Okay, cool, we've tapped into a different place, now let it go, because you're in a different place. And so it's not as if I am intellectually thinking about clowning every... No, I understand it now. So then it just informs my work. Um, and I, will, I feel so much more confident. You know, I did the Book of Mormon on tour. I've, I've, I was in Spamalot in London. I've done uh, some comedy stuff before. Mm -hmm. But in being able to study it in the mm -hmm. rehearsal process and do something very different, my knowledge of comedy in general is is kind of like it is I, it's enhanced greatly over the last year. And the great thing about eight shows a week is that you can afford to try things sometimes. Right. There's been times when I have been like given something an added little flair or like embellished something. And it might get a laugh because it was authentic in the moment, but if I then try and do that again, then I'm faking it right. and I'm trying to get a laugh. And that will never get the laugh as much as just being absolutely honest and authentic in the moment. And coming out of the moment. Yeah. Right? So that's what I was going to ask. So, you know, I think I get asked a lot, well... 
as you know in this work, it's always about letting the moment sort of reveal to you an instinct or your own spontaneous response to something. And that authenticity carries us through the story. But a lot of times if we have to recreate something, whether that's on set and you're having to say the line or hit your mark ten times and do over, let's try another take, like try another take, or like I remember talking to Stephanie when she was doing Cinderella on Broadway, like how do you and she did, of course, but finding your own inner life that's a very inner, alive experience, even if they want you to say the line, go ask the queen, yeah. like that, every night. I mean, I was never really given line deliveries. Uh -huh. I found it useful, that, uh, useful and kind of like frustrating that we were taking over from a group of actors who created the work. Mm -hmm. Because they are comedy geniuses. Geniuses? Genii? Genii. Yeah, very, very genius. Um, and I can still, sometimes, when I'm saying lines, I'm like, oh, that's how Henry Shields used mm. to deliver it. And it's kind of a bit of a trap that you tend to fall into. Um, but as far as... There's the, the stuff that I am discovering about the show still. And I've done, you know, as I said, I did long-running shows. I did the Book of Mormon for a year and a half, and I feel like... God, I've exhausted every possible way of playing and delivering this. But if I was to go back and do that now, I've, I've evolved as a human. Mm -hmm. I have more to contribute to it. Mm -hmm. And like over the course of this year, as a person, I have gone from booking my first Broadway show and living in East Harlem with my boyfriend and now my fiancé and I are buying a house in New Jersey and I've been on Broadway for a year and I've done other stuff. My life has changed and so the role that I'm playing has been informed by various different things. Mm -hmm. And so as far as doing it night after night, yes, it's hard. And we do the Friday night, two Saturday, two Sunday, and by Sunday night you're fucked. You're it's really yeah, hard. It's, it's hard. But we, had a gr we have a great associate director, who's the production stage manager, Matty DiCarlo, who is really great at giving active notes, stuff mm -hmm. to focus on without overwhelming you with like, don't do this, do this. Right. He's like, just remember that this has happened or this has happened. And it's like, you just have to keep investing in its opening night. And I, it was Thursday of last week, I actually spoke about this with my class on Tuesday. Thursday night, he gave me an adjustment of just like, just remember the tension that um, is there because of this, this, and this. And basically, I got through to, Chris is so, the role I play, Chris, is so tightly wound that to Fully commit to that is extreme. And I came off and I wanted to punch something. And I went into the dressing room and he saw me and I was like wanting to slam the door. And he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I can't do this eight times a week. I can't invest in it that much because it's A, it's, a, it's not doable. I won't be able to vocally. I'm screaming, right, right, right. throwing oh, things yeah. on the stage. Yeah. Like, and... <laughs> And I'm like, I wish that we were doing the film version because I'd right. be able to do that. But there's an element of like professional kind of stamina and um, maintenance that you need to be aware of. Otherwise, you will just blow it, blow it out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's... So how did you find your way then through it? It's finding, he was like, this is a new adjustment that I've given you and you're discovering this. And I'm like, yeah, and I'll find a balance. Yeah. It's basically, instead of, because the thing is, if you were, like, Pretty Woman was opening on Broadway the night that I got this adjustment of, like, remember it's opening night and the tension of that, you mm. know, Ben Brantley from the New York right. Times is in and he's going to give you a review. 
And I just thought, if tonight with Pretty Woman, their scenery completely fell apart <laughs> and they were standing in the middle of the stage with the <laughs> set on the floor like around the them. The Times credit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, when you really are investing in the reality of it, my God, that's it's right. devastating. It's, yeah, that's, right. that's funny. And so it's that's what it truth. was. Yeah, yes. That's all it is. Yeah. And so in order for my sanity and my, um, my safety... Um, to, in order to maintain it eight times a week, it was then, okay, cool. I can get frustrated and angry by all of this stuff, but I can also allow myself to really invest in, that's the last thing that's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Even when, you know, a, a, a whole thing crumbles and tumbles to the floor, okay, fine, the audience won't notice if we just carry on. Right. That helped me to kind of find a bit more of a, a realistic dynamic on how to perform it eight times a week. I think people underestimate how much energy is expended in not just even doing eight shows a week, right? But like it was teaching an intensive this weekend and, you know, when you're really emotionally committing to something, yeah. yes, eight shows a week, you know, doing that times eight, whoa. But also just the focus and the sort of commitment to being on camera even you know that what it really takes I think uh, uh, people don't realize like how hard it is to act I think we see the glamorous side of it you know you see the Broadway lights you see the awards or the red carpets but you're like whoa it's work like it's it's like a job it's a job yeah it's not it's not it's fun right we have such a fun crazy exciting career where we get to play with strangers and they become this weird circus family and like you know what I mean we're all like carny workers coming together for a season and that aspect of it is beautiful and it's work well I just had to be really gentle with myself and be realistic it's like I even said to our associate director yesterday I was like I feel like I can really commit to the fact that it's opening night and the stakes are where that I, I personally and the show would want them to be in order to give the performance that I want to give. I can commit to that maybe four or five times out of the eight each week. And the other three, I just have to know and trust that through experience, my performance is of a level that is still worth seeing. Absolutely. And yeah, because you're not phoning it in. Of course not. Really I'm like giving as much as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. again, I've done it for a year. Yeah. I've done about 350 performances yeah. saying the same thing yeah. night after night. It's the definition <laughs> of insanity. I mean, it's like... But yeah, I just have to... I, you know, I'm like... And I walk out of stage door and sometimes... I just want to be, you know, I'm not a huge star, but there are people waiting at stage door for you to sign things. And I'm like, I, ah, yeah. I, I wish you'd have come yesterday. Yeah. I was better yesterday. Oh, yeah. and but they I, don't see that. Of course not. And you, see, and you get reminded, you know, we sell the, uh, we sell the script um, out front of house. And you know, as soon as anyone is handing you a script to sign, I'm like, are, They're you, hardcore. are, are you an actor? I'm like, yeah. And there was a seven-year-old boy, Ethan, I think his name was, the other day. Um... And I came out of the show, and I think I'd felt like I'd done a good job that night. <laughs> and I came out, and he was like, you were my favorite character. I really want to be on Broadway. And I'm like, that's Aww. excellent. Mm-hmm. How old are you? What's your name, Ethan? How old are you, Ethan? Seven. I was like, well, Ethan, I really hope that I can work with you on Broadway one day. Aww. And I walked away, and I was like, I remember seeing my first West End show. I make that reference because I was younger. I was 16. My first Broadway show was about eight years ago. But I can remember everything about it. And there are people in our audience every single night traveling from all over the world to see our play. And a lot of the time it is their first Broadway play that they're seeing. 
And what a privilege for me to have that responsibility of telling this fun story, the story that is accessible to all ages. There's no profanity, there's no sexual contact in it, and content in it, there's no politics in it. It's two hours of fun. Mm. And I look out and sometimes I see like a, a, a granddaughter with her grandfather and they're nudging each other, sharing the same experience of this wonderful, like joyous, fun um, show. And that is when you go like, okay, cool. It's okay that I struggled a bit tonight. People still enjoyed it, and it was still worth me being here. Well, as long as the actor doesn't phone it in, you know what I mean? Then it's and a, I've been in shows where, yeah, people, where do. people do, yeah. and that in itself frustrates me in a different yeah. way. Yeah, it's yeah. like, how dare you? Yeah. I'm exhausted doing this, yeah. and you're choosing to, do, to give us... I'm giving as much as I possibly can, yeah. monitoring myself vocally, yeah. navigating around injuries and sickness and illness so that I can be here to give my best, and other people take it for granted and they show up and they take their paycheck. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I, I am happy that I have this approach to the work, but it doesn't mean that I'm happier in life because mm -hmm. it stresses me out. The demand that is on us as, as um, you know, Broadway professionals or actors in general, it can drive you insane, mm -hmm. striving for being the best. Perfection. Yeah, yeah. all of the time. Well, let's talk about, uh, because I remember a couple of years ago when we were in class here, and I thought this was a turning point for you about the power of saying no. I don't know if it, right? Do you remember this? So Mark was, had done a lot of musicals and was very successful in the musical theater genre. And uh, in class, I think he really discovered like his power of being a storyteller without music. Not that one is preferable than the other, but it's a different... It's just a different way to tell a story, right? And as I actors, had defined myself, or the industry had defined me as a as a musical thing. theater performer. Um, That's right. Yeah, and as a tall, dark, handsome, leading man, uh -huh. specific. And so, yes, I can get auditions because that's a uh, a very common play, a mm -hmm. common role mm -hmm. that's available. But it's an oversaturated market, and so I am one of many people that can do what mm -hmm. I can do. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, what do I want? I'm I'm a character actor in a tall, dark, handsome, leading man's body. That sounds like such a douche thing to say. <laughs> oh, I'm so cursed. Um, but it was like, okay, I do have the ability to make decisions for myself. I, don't, I can hear what my agents and my manager are saying. I can listen to what the casting directors are trying to tell me and bring me in for. What do I want? We'll trump all of those. We'll top all of those. I know, not good use of that word right <laughs> now. I say that all the time. Yeah. Um, and it was really liberating. And I've, I've used that a lot of a few examples with the students when I'm teaching here. Is like, But we... Go ahead. Just the, the, the power of saying no. Not for the sake of saying no, but for listening to what you truly want mm -hmm. and knowing that you deserve it. And you might not get it immediately, yeah. but you know that you want it. Well, that's, that's what we kind of, uh, so the audience, or our listeners understand, the audience, I feel like I'm in New York theater, so the audience understands, you know, we were talking about how you, you keep, at that time, you kept getting offers to do things that you've already felt like you've done. Mm -hmm. Not that we've done anything fully ever, but like, you've already done a lot of musicals. So, the power of saying no to something so that you can create space in your life for something that is new, more of where you see your work going, a different kind of challenge, a new opportunity yeah. in acting and creating. And so you said no to musicals for this a, a it's, it's a hard to thing to do. And then the show came, and then you wanted yeah. to do a Broadway show non-musically. Yeah. And then that presented itself. It's, it Bravo. was, yeah. 
it's hard to say no. It is. Because it's also, we also sometimes tie the monetary to it. You know, it's like ageism. There's so many ways that we say, are scared to say no, which is really a saying a yes to our higher self or a yes to, you know, a part of us that knows we need to live in the unknown. It's like when we're in a relationship and we know it's, it's already past due date, but we don't, we're scared to get out of it. Or you're with an agent or a manager and you really, it's not working and you need to communicate with them, but you're scared to take the lead because you think being in something is better than being on your own. Of course. You like know. being employed is better than That's being right. unemployed. People but what I, I will challenge that and I will say you have to be unemployed to be available for the stuff you want to do. That's right. And... You know, That's it's good all, for actors to hear. Yeah. You know I mean? Well, it's always you can't. There can't be a generalized answer right. because there is stuff that I haven't been able to do because I've been in a long contract of the play that goes mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. But am I buying a house and getting married and need a paycheck right now? Yes. So I've I've decided the priority yeah. right now is to focus on that. Um, and so the and I'm I'm a, I'm very fortunate in saying yes to a lot of great work allowed me to be in a, in a position where financially I was able to say mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in order to get insurance in this country, if you're going to do it through equity, the actors, you, you need to have done um, uh, it's nine weeks, I believe. Don't quote me on this. Check it online if, you're, if this is new information. Nine weeks of an equity contract mm-hmm. in order to qualify for six months of Cigna health insurance, which mm-hmm. is one of the best health insurances in the company. And so you will need to say yes to a four-week job at Downing Kansas City Rep or whatever. And like, and everyone is, everyone's situation and circumstances are different and you constantly evaluate it and like, just see where you are right now. Do I want to do this job? Do I want to do this audition? Is it going to give me what I need? Is it going to give me what I want? Where do I have to go right now um, with that? Can I do what I want? Do I have to do what I need? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a constant cycle. And I, the way that I approach it is that I have to be okay with that, the unknown, the lack of security, because I am an artist and what I want out of my career is constant um, ver- variety and inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I always say the reason Meryl Streep hasn't retired is because she's still curious. There's still something she wants to do. That's right. Same with Tom and Hanks. Like Ben Affleck, right. Brad yeah. Pitt are now directing because yeah. there's something else creative, artist- yeah. and like artistically that they want to do. And I'm like, great. Wherever you are right now, start there, but don't expect to stay there. It's, it's always going to evolve and change. And I've had to, it's taken me, especially from moving to New York, and being in therapy and coming to AMAW has given me the, f- the, the confidence, mm-hmm. the trust, the faith in that, okay, everything's going to be fine. And it's, things are always going to figure themselves out. And you can always, always be an actor as long as you want to. I'll never have to officially retire That's because right. I could take time out for 15 years to be a dad and then go in and play a a character on Blue Bloods if mm-hmm. it's still running <laughs> in 15 years yeah, time that's true um, well Mark tell, tell me what has what teaching taught you here at the school almost more than acting yeah. I mean because what it's taught me is that even at the base level you're never as bad as you think you are mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what you <laughs> what and you touched on this when we did the workshop with uh, the free Broadway workshop on Friday like, 
what your voice, your inner critic, your little vulture that sits on your shoulder is telling you is never what is being perceived by the, by the, the audience, by the people That's watching right. the screen or standing on what, in the, and sitting in the auditorium. And no one has their shit figured out. People are always in process. And it's given me permission as an actor to just be more gentle, to be kind to myself and be like, of course you're not going to get it right eight shows a week. Of course you're going to be nervous going in for this series regular audition. Of course, this, of course, let's get some perspective. Now we're aware of that, proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's given me more empathy and compassion and admiration for actors. Um, but I mean, what I love about the way that, and I'm still learning as a teacher as well, I've been doing it for a year and a half now. Um, very long. It's, it's the fact that, you know, I used to teach singing, dancing, and acting in a different way. And I'd have a lesson plan, and I'd stick to it. And I know that for the dance classes, from the corner, right, we're right. going to do these exercises, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we're going to do a combination that I've already choreographed. Here, I can prepare a lecture that I know I'm going to talk on this and I'll riff on it and whatever. And then a warm-up, I might have an idea of what we might do or I might ask, what do you guys need from me today? And then I'm as much in the moment as the students up here doing their scene work. And I always say that to to the, the people in my class. I don't have the answers. You don't come here for me to tell you how to do it because there is no right way to do it. What we're trying to find is the most authentic version of you where are you where are you coming out in this material however you're coming out is okay because we're not it's non-results oriented and that's what I found was when I first started coming here I'm like yeah I hear what you're saying Tony or Sarah but like people wouldn't pay to see that people like we couldn't shoot that and put it in a in a cinema that's not why we're doing it yeah it's like going to the gym it's like doing plies at the bar in ballet no one's going to pay to watch you do that but it's going to give you the strength those exercises are going to give you what you need in order to do this performance on the stage Mm -hmm. coming here is like going to acting gym where you're exercising these muscles of true discovery of who you are as a human not as an actor and where that fits into the work in the circumstances existing in those circumstances authentically as if they're really happening to you right now and that's just a constant fascination for me. It's like, wow. And I would go so far as to say that is what we pay to see when we see something done that's so in the moment and yeah. so alive and so non-rehearsed in a way, even if it is rehearsed, but it is really a distillation to the moment yeah. so that it feels like, whoa, this yeah. is, I'm in somebody's living room and I shouldn't be watching this. Exactly. Or, you know what and, I mean? and there are times when I point it out, I'm like, we all were watching you right then, feeling like we were flies on yeah. the wall yeah. of your which world. Is, which is what we are all desiring to experience, I think, in this medium of acting as the, the participant or the viewer. You know what I mean? I do it's have a to say, though, it's, it's hard because then when you're watching things, you're watching TV performances oh, in like, a different way. Uh, I know, I, can't you, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you can't judge it, like because you never, you know what I mean. No, but I know. It is, it is kind of wrecks you for life in a way. Because I think the reason it wrecks me is yeah. because I know how liberating it's been yeah. for me to yeah. to exist authentically in this yeah. stuff, and the way that I never used to. Yeah, and I see these people like acting, acting. in inverted commas. Acting. It's like, yeah. and I'm, oh no, I want, I, I want know. this experience for you. 
Yeah. And I just have to be like, everyone is doing their own thing. That's right. Like, and I, I think different forms work for different yeah, of things, course. I guess. And but. like how arrogant of me or of us to think that the, what we do at the studio is the only way, but yeah. it for sure as shit has helped me in my process. Oh, that's work. amazing. It's really inspiring while you're doing it. Well, let me, uh, I always like to end with just like a speed round of some quick questions. Uh, tell me if you were on an island, what's one thing you would bring? Only one. Justin. Oh, I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. That's his fiance. I knew you were going to say that. That's so random. But not random, I do that. Uh, what's one thing you can't do without? Don't say Justin. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, this is like a, such a random, dumb question. I no, no, it is. I'm but trying like, to be like a podcaster yes, asking like, questions. This is general, but it's also a general question. Art. Uh-huh. Okay, great. What's your favorite film? The Notebook. Aw, that's sweet. It was a f like one of the first Ryan Gosling, obviously, uh -huh. big movies that yeah. he did, and I just think, like, it's wow. It's very romantic, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, since we're in New York, what's your favorite Broadway show? The first one I saw was Next to Normal, and that kind of, like, sticks oh, with me. Uh-huh, okay. Um, but that, I don't know if that's my, my best. Your favorite. My favorite. Book of Mormon. You did it. I it's mean, a great yeah. show, right? It's yeah. a brilliant show. Oh, Neil Simon just passed. Yes. Talk about, like, Broadway. I, I mean... God, when I was living here in the 90s, he was so prolific. Biloxi Blues, yeah. uh, Laughter on the 23rd Floor, uh, um, 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 oh my gosh. There, there were so you many. Just see Park how Car, Harvard Yard. Like, so many people. My Facebook feed is just full of people who are, like, posting a letter. Mm. Um, someone who worked on Legally Blonde posted a letter of, like, when Neil Simon went to see it, he sent the cast a letter and just what an incredible incredible human yeah. and like yes talk about the work that he's created but also just in the way that he has inspired mm, people. generations yeah. of people yeah he was pretty amazing uh what has what's your big takeaway from the studio from amaw who i am is interesting and wonderful indeed um yeah and how would you describe love constantly changing in incredible and surprising and sometimes frustrating ways. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. life, right? Love of anything and everything. Yeah. I, d I started one of my classes once. We just sit in a circle. I'm like, okay, we're going to take a first half hour. We may run late today, folks. Uh, I'm going to give each of you 90 seconds to just say, I love... And when you see people, at first they're like, I love coffee, I love chocolate, and then they drop into love, and it's the thing that I'd never experienced, yes, Justin, but also just in life and appreciation of everything. Love is an incredible, incredible thing that can connect you to the rest of the world. I love it. Well, I want to thank our single guest today. <laughs> Occupy the majority of the we have our, our imaginary friends, Rebecca Falkenberry, who's not here, and Kevin Koslack, and Justin Morley, and Vashti Monpoint. <laughs> All these people who are on Broadway. But they are, better book They are literally on people. Broadway in like, I don't know, 42nd Street right now, <laughs> hopefully booking other jobs. But thank you, Mark. Oh, um, uh, Mark, uh, let, let your fans know where they can find you personally, but also the show one more time. Uh, the play that goes wrong, um, if you want tickets, it's uh, broadwaygoeswrong.com, I believe. Even if you just Google it, you'll find it. Um, we're at the Lyceum Theatre on 45th. Until January 2nd. January 6th. January 2nd is my birthday. Whoa. January 6th. Uh, January 6th. 
And I am on social media. I think I'm all the same. Mark at Mark Evans actor. Go see the show. He's really funny, and the show is really inspiring in a funny way. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you.